Welcome back, December 15th, another episode, another week. Ryan, we're, uh, we're back. We're back again with more recap and some more great interviews. Yeah, yeah, another good one today. And um, <laughs> Ryan, I, where can they follow us? Well, folks, you know that you can follow us on Apple and Spotify. That's where you find the episode. But outside of that, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, that's where we'll post regular updates about the shows on TikTok. We have some kind of one-off things, giving instant reactions, giving some score predictions for games. So follow us there to get that content. Uh, we had a pretty good one on Saturday, Ryan, with the LSU Florida reaction, which we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more in depth about here soon, too. Yeah, um, it's funny that we didn't mention that game, and it was clearly the best game of the day. Um, although something must have been happening in college football uh, where Fog just seemed to take over every game uh, that was being played in college this weekend, the Army-Navy game, LSU-Florida, uh, you know, what have you. The Colorado game, it was pretty funny to watch Colorado and Utah in December in college football and see snow just – you know, with no fans and, you know, it's, it's one of those 24, 17 type games. Um, but yeah, let's, let's dive right into college. I mean, we don't really have a whole lot on college to, to be honest with you, because all those games we previewed over the weekend, the Georgia Mizzou game, the um, Wisconsin Iowa game, UNC Miami, I'll say it. Uh, they stunk. Um, they just flat out stunk. I, we felt we didn't even need to recap those because they were just, especially the UNC Miami game. I mean, that's a possible 2021 matchup in the ACC championship game. So I'm glad we got that early preview out of the way um, <laughs> for my crystal ball down the road, but they smoked Miami. Your early predictor is probably spot on because we have two good teams in that game, but I don't think your crystal ball could have told you that Michael Carter and Javante Williams would run for over 500 yards and as a team would run for 554 yards. And didn't Sam Howe have five touchdowns? Uh, Sam Howe has one touchdown, I see, uh, a rushing touchdown, and I know he caught one too. So three That's three right. total three total touchdowns, but the trifecta of, of run, pass, and catch, that's not something you see every day. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, the LSU-Florida game, let's just dive right into it because that game, that deserves really its own little, little college recap, to tell you the truth. Uh, the fog rolls in around second half, and you're used to it after watching the Army-Navy game because CBS, Nestler, and uh, Gary Danielson on the call for the Army game, as always, uh, they got creative as well. Only what they did is they kind of went like a, almost like a side diagonal angle, which is pretty cool, but uh, – give credit to the guys at ESPN, like, uh, you know, the producers and, and the technical directors to come up with, essentially, it felt like you were playing a game of Madden or NCAA. That's the kind of camera angle it felt like. Um, but wow, what a game. LSU, uh, really just a signature win to, to keep the season not as a total wash. Um, Florida, bye-bye playoff. Uh, you're no longer, you know, one of the teams that can make that claim. It's going to be Texas A&M probably tonight at the number five slot still because their game was canceled. And then Iowa State's going to move up number six. I'm telling you what, Iowa State, look out. If you see them sliding in at number four as one of the four teams on the final playoff uh, selection committee, don't be shocked. Well, I remember a couple years ago, 
it was a, I believe it was a Thursday night NFL game where it was the Steelers and Titans. And I remember that distinctly because obviously the Steelers were playing in it where they tried that sky cam kind of behind the line, look like you were playing a game of Madden and people absolutely, I feel like people absolutely hated it. Maybe that was just me thinking I, I prefer my normal angle of the field. So please don't mess with it if you don't have to. But given the situation Saturday, I think my opinion might've changed on it. I really enjoyed that back look. I really enjoyed that back look of everything. Um, obviously a little bit different than normal because you, you don't get that normal side view. But if you can't see anything from the box, you have to do what you have to do, right? LSU and Florida, great game. But the story really is, is Marco Wilson from Florida. Just what, what do you think was running through his mind as he's chucking somebody's shoe 40 yards downfield to, to essentially knock themselves out of the playoffs? Obviously, events happen after that, but still. Yeah, you know what it feels like? It feels like um, in college, we get a lot of those moments anyway. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, I forget the tackle's name, but it was Michigan, Ohio State, um, and he just flipped off the fans. Like, mm -hmm. what was going through your mind around then? You know what I mean? Like, you know, you see it happen sometimes in the NFL, but like college, you know what I mean? Uh, you had a wide receiver from Utah, and it seems like this always happens in college too, drop the ball right at the one-yard line. Play got called back. I mean, you have Chris Weber, the infamous Chris Weber calls a timeout in that uh, championship game many, 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 uh, you know, ages ago, didn't have a timeout. I just feel like those things happen in college all the time. I feel like really what it is is the athletes – they are excited over the fact that, you know, they just won a game because they're still in the college mode, right? Like they're still in that mindset of like, Hey, I'm in college. I'm a young kid, whatever. Um, but sometimes things just slip away from, them. And, th and that happens in college way more than NFL. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm sure he's taken some flack on Twitter um, for throwing the shoe, but like, I mean, come on, man, he's a college kid and things happen. Now I understand from a Florida Gators fan perspective that it absolutely sucks that you're not going to have a chance at the playoff now. And you're going to end up playing and like um, most likely they're going to end up getting the uh, Fiesta bowl, which is a good bowl for them actually, or the peach bowl. But I just, I don't know, man, it was, it was one of those games you watch in the third quarter was taking place and you start to feel the momentum shift anyway. So it, it's crazy though, when games essentially stay alive like that with penalties, because you just don't know how or why you're going to make a call in that situation sometimes. One other extended thought on Marco, Marco Wilson to kind of expand on what you said. I, I even said it in our instant reaction on TikTok, but he is just a kid. You have to forgive him because I think what it is is a case of maturity in a lot of standpoints. It's easy to forget when you watch a college football game that these people that are playing are between the ages most likely of 18 to 21 years old. And, and their life experiences mostly probably to that point to play SEC football is them playing football. Now, I, I understand that, you know, everybody has a different life experience and I don't want to minimalize or, or marginalize that, but it's just one stupid decision. It's one stupid decision that somebody makes to throw a shoe downfield that can cost a game like that. 
and, and he obviously knows that he, he he is certainly not shocked by that now if he searches his name on social media but it's one bad decision it doesn't reflect who he is it doesn't reflect anything about him it's a bad decision that he made and, and again ultimately cost the team a shot at the championship but maybe, maybe florida just had to weed themselves out that way i didn't think it would be that way uh, but one other question for you watching that game because everybody always talks about signature moments and such when it comes to the Heisman is, is Kyle Trask out of the running now? Is this Mac Jones award to lose for the Heisman in, in late December? Um, <clears throat> I actually think the Heisman's lost a little prestige this year, just because there hasn't been like games where, you know, games get canceled. So in, in this day and age, this season, so it's hard for people to find, like, if you're not, like, a team of Florida, like, or you're an avid college football fan, like, would you have known that Florida and LSU were pl was playing at 7 p.m. on a Saturday? Like, you know what I mean? So I think those things kind of get lost in the shuffle, um, especially this season. I think, you know, you look at the last however many years you go back, I think uh, Derrick Henry was the last running back to win the Heisman, and before that it was Mark Ingram. So it's really a quarterback award anyway. So they're going to, you know, give it to Kyle Trask or, you know, they're going to give it to, to Matt Jones. That's just how the cookie crumbles. Right. Well, and, and I think the same thing, too. It, it's been a little bit of a lackluster year. Uh, certainly nobody's clamoring for Justin Fields to win it based on sample size. But, you know, we, everybody knows how, how, know how we feel about that. It, it's definitely going to be a weird year for it because usually even in a year where there's two or three candidates, there's two or three clear candidates that you can debate and kind of look between. But even this year, it's kind of felt jumbled and everybody is just throwing names in there. Certainly there's been a couple guys between like Mac Jones and, and Kyle Trask that have stood out, but um, even running back, Devontae Smith from Alabama, the, the name eludes me off the top of my head and I don't have it in front of me, but it, it's, but it's also a, an award that's given to people who play a lot of games. So if you're in the Big Ten or Pac-12, you've almost essentially weeded yourself out anyway by only playing six games as opposed to somebody else's 10. But definitely a little bit different and, and a, a very weird year for the Heisman. I don't think they'll have an asterisk on it. Like some people may suggest, oh, it's it's not the same. It's, it's not as prestigious. But it definitely is a strange year when talking about Heisman consideration because we don't really have a full sample size of any team. No. And, you know, I can't wait, though, for Saturday because Saturday, conference championship Saturday. And, I mean, knowing us, we'll probably end up previewing almost every game for conference championship Saturday because the SEC championship is still, still important. ACC championship, very, very important. It's a playoff quarterfinal. That's what it is. Don't let anyone tell you different because that's what it is. Uh, you have the Big 12, Iowa State, Oklahoma. You have Ohio State, which we don't need to get into that again, but they play Northwestern at noon. Uh, I, I hate when sometimes I understand Fox, that's their way of competing the last two years with ESPN's a, a broadcasting team of Fowler and Herbie, who everyone universally loves. But the big noon kickoff for stuff like this, a Big Ten title game, I mean, you know, can we push it back to 3.30? You know what I mean? Like, that's a, that's a game that I want to see at nighttime, and it's typically played at nighttime anyway. Uh, the Pac-12 title game, uh, kind of lackluster. You have Washington dropping out. Oregon's going to take their spot. But, oof, what a slate of college. And on that Saturday, don't forget, typically in the third uh, December, not only third weekend in December, 
you always got some NFL action. So you got NFL doubleheader on Saturday as well. So it's going to can't wait to get to the weekend uh, for football. But Ryan, two two other quick things, Ryan, real quick, just notes of people that we talked about in college a couple weeks ago, but are we back in the news? Sarah Fuller, first female, first woman to score a point in a power five conference game, two extra points for Vanderbilt. They finally pushed a ball across the 50 for a change. And James Patterson, you remember the running back from Buffalo that we mentioned a couple weeks ago who had like 15 touchdowns and 1,000 yards. He is the 12th player in NCAA history to rush for over 1,000 yards in a team's first five games of the season. <laughs> that's pretty incredible. That's video game numbers. Yeah. That's uh, stuff that you do on uh, uh, campus mode, Road to Glory, back in the day on NCAA. Boost all your stats up to 99, and you just – you're 7-foot, yeah. 300-pound halfback. Yeah, play play the high school playoffs. You get, like, all the D1 offers from, like, Oregon and Texas. And, um, ah, man, I missed that game. But, Ryan, let's debut our new segment. It's called Buy or Sell. And we're going to do this on Tuesday episodes. Buy or Sell – is Ryan's going to bring three sports stories to the table. I'm going to be bring three entertainment. We're going to balance it out. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're excited. First new segment. Uh, Ryan, what's your thoughts on this? I like it. I'm a big buy or sell fan because it's a great chance to kind of look inward at all. Well, all sports really, um, because like we say often, we, we can't cover all sports stories. So this is a great way to kind of touch on, ones that fall outside of our preview for now, but we'll obviously be changing that up as new sports come along. Yeah. So, you know what, I'll, I'll take the reins. I'll start. And then, uh, th- then you'll go. So buy or sell first topic, Marvel, Star Wars, and Disney. They basically had a Super Bowl, a plethora, if you will, of any character Marvel or Star Wars that you like uh, will be coming to Disney Plus in a streaming device near you. And they also set record numbers for a uh, service. You wanna talk about a competitor, Netflix. They did record numbers in their first 12 months. 89.6 million subscribers in 12 months. Netflix is at 115. Talk about catching someone. Yeah, I'm, I'm in on that. And I'm in on that because of the fandom that that kind of the worlds of Star Wars and Marvels brings because people are, I use the term obsessed nicely in this as I'm looking at, um, is that, that's Boba Fett, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm looking at Boba Fett tattoo on, on Ryan here, but people, people buy into it. And again, I use obsessed nicely. It's not a bad thing. People love it. They buy into it and everything. You could make the argument that Star Wars could have been not, okay, I was going to say dead, but dead's not the right word. You could realistically put a cap on Star Wars after episodes four, five, and six, the first three movies, and you would say, man, that was great. But they keep coming out with Star Wars movies and people keep buying into it because they need that fix of it. They need that fix of the world of Star Wars. And it's similar with Marvel. Whenever you have a, a thing that basically says, no, if you watch the Marvel movies in this one through 41 order, it all makes sense. And people will say, well, yeah, I'm going to spend my weekend doing that. People want this and they crave it. So I, I don't expect Disney Plus to slow down anytime soon. And I, I know this kind of sounds stupid, but I think once The Office leaves Netflix, I think you'll see Netflix subscribers even go down, maybe not by the millions, but Netflix is going to continue to fall off a little bit. And if Disney Plus can keep that up, they're going to be, they're going to be top dog here shortly. Yeah, I mean, I have Disney Plus. I don't know if you do. I'm buying this as well. 
Um, really, the the problem with Disney Plus for me, as much as I love a lot of Disney stuff, like Star Wars, Marvel, right? The, those kind of things. Even National Geographic, they got on there. And there's some good shows uh, that I watch on National Geographic, like um, Life Below Zero, uh, like people living essentially like cavemen, you know, in, in Alaskan wildlife. But really the problem is for people like our age and like older, like it's a family or oriented network to begin with and company. So there's not really like adult programming. There's not like, but like I can watch Marvel and stuff and still be entertained, but there's not like an office. There's not like a Seinfeld or a Curb Your Enthusiasm, one of my favorite shows to watch uh, and, and binge watch. Like there's not that kind of stuff. So, I mean, like essentially what you're going to end up having is you're going to have, if you're a big Marvel fan, you're going to have to watch like Marvel TV shows because it's going to connect to the movies. And like before, like Star Wars, like when they did the movies all the time, there was only two hours and two hours is a great like storytelling mechanism for a good movie. But like, if you want to expand stuff like they want to do, then you got to go TV at, at some point. When it seems like that's what they really tried to do with Star Wars. Now I'll, I'll admittedly say I have not kept up with Star Wars probably since the early 2000s, but it sounds like what, what they've done with, with everything. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, is just kind of expand on all the stories of all the characters and kind of bring life to everything with, with forwards and then prequels to really to really give the whole story life yeah so there was a story actually done the other day about the mandalorian that i read and the mandalorian is the most successful tv show in a first season get this since the sopranos that's how that's how historic company mandalorian is and if you've never seen sopranos it's a great show but mandalorian like it's essentially like star wars but a western type feel like you got this bounty hunter on and really what i think partly though as a star wars fan as you can see my tattoo of boba fett okay really what took mandalorian from like hype to exceedingly amazing expectations where where it's at right now is because baby yoda like those kind of things, like when you're a company, sport, whatever, like, and you got a meme like that where everyone knows what it is. Like people who don't even like Star Wars know who Baby Yoda is now. So I'm buying that. And um, Ryan, give me your first story. All right. So let's let's kick it over to sports a little bit here. So still in the news today, and, and you'll hear about this in our interview uh, here in a couple minutes, but are you buying or selling? that James Harden will be traded before the beginning of the season. So we still have about a week now before the season starts. Everything appears that he does want to be traded, but he's also practicing today for the Rockets. So is it going to be preseason? Will it be during the season? When's James Harden not going to be in a Rockets uniform? Uh, I'm selling this. So I think he's going to be traded at some point, probably before the trade deadline, like around February. But I'm selling it because I don't think he's like a Carson Palmer type. If you remember way back when, when Carson Palmer didn't want to play for Cincinnati or Oakland and he forced his way out. Right. I don't think it's something like that. I think he's going to play. I think uh, really what it is, it's just frustration. I, I, th I think he's been in Houston long enough. I think the fact that they took Russ away, which he wanted to begin with, but they got John Wall in return. Like they haven't really upgraded the team around him. And like, if he goes to Philly, like he wants right now, because that's what everyone's saying. He wants to go to Philly. He wants to go to Philly. Is Philly really the best fit for him? Like doc rivers 
is not a coach like Mike D'Antoni who runs and guns. What Doc is going to end up doing, I would imagine, is use Ben to feed the ball to Joel Embiid a lot because that was something that was missing in their offense previously because Ben, it was more of a pick and roll offense. Ben, you know, sets up, JoJo picks, Ben takes it to the hoop. I just, I think he's going to find a landing spot. I don't, don't, I don't think it should be Philly. I, I don't know where he should go. I tell you where I actually think he might actually be a good fit if they can work something out, uh, Miami. Because if him and Jimmy Butler can coexist, I think that's a pretty good one-two punch. And if you can try, if you're Miami and you can try to keep some of those players like Tyler Hero and stuff like that, like on, on your roster without giving up a whole lot, that's a good spot. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell this too, but with one caveat to it. I don't think he'll be traded before the season starts, but I think he'll be traded before he plays a game for the Rockets. So I'm going to kind of cross sports here. Um, I think of Le'Veon Bell a couple years back for the Steelers in a contract dispute. So it's not necessarily an equation of sorts, but Le'Veon Bell sat out an entire season and, and missed all the deadlines and basically just said, if you're not going to pay me and we can't come to an agreement, I'm just going to sit out. James Harden really doesn't have anything to lose here. There's, there's nothing for him to really lose. So, I mean, he could be there at games. He, he may stay away. It sounds like he's coming back and coming around a little bit more. He, reports say that he did practice yesterday. But I don't think he's going to step on the court because he knows where he ultimately wants to be, and it's not in Houston. So wherever that spot is, it's really putting pressure on the Rockets front office to say we need to get him out so we can kind of move on with this team. Because if he's not going to be a part of the plans moving forward, I would imagine that the Rockets front office don't want him not in a bad way but they do not want him to be in the building because he's not part of that team moving forward so they're going to try to expedite a deal as quickly as possible yeah i it's so hard what's happening in houston because it's almost like they've taken drastic steps backwards ever since they lost to golden state um ryan buying or selling another streaming service i saw a commercial uh today the reason i bring this up is (laughs) For a service called Discovery Plus, added to the uh, million other streaming service named uh, something plus, Apple TV Plus, Disney Plus, blah, blah, blah. Uh, It's going to have Food Network. It's going to have TLC, whatever that is, uh, basically all reality shows um, and and, and, uh, things like that. I I am definitely selling this. Uh, You didn't mention one thing in there that would interest me to, to spend money on that. So I'm, I'm selling it too. And, and those who know me and know me well know that if I could get rid of my cable and just have a package where I could literally just watch sports, I would do that. I, I don't necessarily need reality TV. I have Hulu if I wanted to catch up on shows that I semi-enjoy or, or Netflix, whatever. TLC, Food Network, they don't do it for me personally. I, I can't say that I've ever watched anything on either of those channels, to be honest. So I'm out. Give me, give me an all street sports streaming service next. Yeah. They, uh, on, on top of those two channels, I'm just going to read the networks that are included. Uh, and they're in the rumor is it's going to be nine 99, Uh, it's going to have the Oprah Winfrey network. Didn't know that was a thing. Uh, it's going to have, uh, <laughs> animal planet discovery channel, of course. And one of the things they're going to do is, is uh, apparently going to do a reboot of Mythbusters um to get people to sign up for nine bucks um yeah 
yeah well, well, well if anything that will coerce people to do it because that was a big deal back in the day yeah but i mean do people really want to see a reboot of mythbusters i don't yeah. <laughs> I, I can't speak for everybody but i know i don't yes. <laughs> all right so let's go into another sports one here um ryan are you buying or selling the reports of the nhl season starting on a tentative date of january 13th uh january 14th in, in that range so about a month from now yeah if this was a stock market i'd put all my money on buy because i think what's happened uh as, as ironic as it is uh in the early 2000s uh <laughs> Look, there was not a good relationship between the NHL owners and the NHLPA, if anyone remembers. Uh, they've had a couple lockouts, you know, since then. They had one that was a very infamous 2003 lockout, right? Uh, they had one a couple years ago where they got the deal done at the last minute. But really, out of all the leagues, if you look at it, especially, you know, considering the way things are in baseball right now, they're probably the best relationship as far as any, you know, player union and owner. Now, of course, the NBA has a great relationship, and why wouldn't they? They're the most, you know, forward-thinking, you know, out of the four sports that we have. I mean, but, but they're going to get this done. They're going to get the games because they don't want to be just like baseball, right? Baseball, you know, really damaged their relationship with the, the owners, damaged it with the players and vice versa. But they didn't want to be the only sport to not return this past summer. So they ended up making some modified schedule. That's that's what's going to happen with the NHL. So I'm going to sell this and not sell it for long, but I'm going to say it's delayed a little bit from that month start. And the reason I say that is, is because obviously players can train on their own and, and keep themselves in shape. But I think that the Players Association is going to ask for a little bit more time for training camps and to get these teams back on the ice because I think the worst thing you could do for the sport is not give them adequate time to do it. So I think that the Players Association will try to bump it back at least a week or two. Because, again, we saw it a little bit with football. The, the modified training camps and, and no preseason games, I figure that will probably be part of the NHL's deal too, will be no preseason games. But they really needed that month. And even then still, not everything clicked. So, but this is still down to a question of money, right? Because the NHL of all the four sports is probably, I say the worst, but out of four million dollar, billion dollar companies, it's probably the worst off because it doesn't have the same amount of fans and stands. It doesn't have the same TV contracts. It's on secondary networks. So they, they really have to consider the money of this and how they're going to lose the revenue from the fans. But I, I think that it'll get done. I think we're all going to have an NHL season. I think it probably starts a little bit closer to February, though, at this point, just given the timeline of everything to, to work out. Yeah, I, I will say one point about how the NHL is one great thing that they have is the hockey playoffs is actually probably my favorite thing to watch outside of like a March Madness type tournament. Um, even even probably more than baseball postseason, which is, you know, absolutely electric. You know, you, you can't turn off a baseball postseason game. But the one thing that NHL struggles with, and it's, you know, I, I would rather a, a play, you know, a fair playing field, but like the teams like New York, like, uh, you know, the Rangers right now, uh, the Islanders, it's not good. LA hasn't been good in a couple of years since they won the Stanley cup in 2015. Um, you need big matchups. Um, and, and I think Vegas actually can be the, the next uh, big team to really get the NHL 
some publicity um, going forward. But Ryan, last buy or sell on my side, <laughs> Harrison Ford is going to do another Indiana Jones, officially signed on Indiana Jones 5. Um, his first one was back in 1984. Indiana Jones 5, buying or selling? So I know this is going to shock you based on our conversations off screen, but I've never seen any of the Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> I that, that goes right along with me not being a movie person. I've been told they're good. People say they're good, but it's but it's it's one of those things that that I even believe it a little bit with with Star Wars and Marvel, right? You can have too much of a good thing. And I feel like if you just keep beating the dead horse, it may not be as good. We see it with reboots all the time. I'm going to sell it personally because I would rather see more newer movies or reboots of movies that didn't work if that's what they're going to do or just new movies in general. So I'm, I'm going to be out on this, but maybe I need to see the first four to have a different opinion. No, uh, this, this is a big sell. Uh, let me tell you, don't if you do watch one, don't watch the last one, uh, The Kingdom of Crystal Skull. That one was basically, uh, it, it's one of like a handful of like 10, 15 movies I've fallen asleep through. Uh, like that's just how bad it is. Um, but I mean, like you can't continue to churn out Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones. Like let's try to do like, if, if we're going to be as unoriginal as possible, let's at least do a reboot or a spinoff or a TV show or, 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 or something. Because Hollywood's very known for unoriginal things to begin with. But I mean, come on, a fifth, a fifth Indiana Jones, that, that's a big sell. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a movie person. I'll, I'll just throw it out there for everybody that listens. I've never seen Forrest Gump and I've been, I've been criticized for that for years. So maybe, maybe 2021 will be the year. I hope so. <laughs> All right, one more. Um, so a little bit of news recently in baseball. We're just going to keep switching sports up here is the Cleveland Indians name change. So a team that's been the Indians for the better part of 105 years has announced that they're going to come out and change their name. Um, there's obviously two sides to this. We've seen it with other teams, such as the football team changing their names and, and other teams such as the Blackhawks have taken heat for their names. But Ryan, are you buying or selling this? Is this a good move? Is this a publicity move? Kind of what's the what's your thought on this overall? Uh, I think it's going to be a sell and the reason why because Washington's scenario was different Washington look let's be honest if it wasn't for the sponsors pulling out in Washington like they did they'd still be you know their old team name but they did and that's why and that's why their hand was forced because Dan Snyder publicly had said time and time and time and time again he would never do it the Indians just comes out of nowhere, right? Like, I mean, really? You know, like the Progressive's still their their team sponsor as far as like sponsorship as their stadium ballpark. No one's publicly came out and said, "Hey guys, like you got to change the name, or you're going to lose sponsors. You're, you know, you're not going to get, you know, East Spalding, and you know, you're, you're going to lose stuff." I just find it odd. Um, I mean, I know a couple of years ago they changed the logo, which I was okay with that. I was fine with, but I mean, to, to change the name, I, it just feels odd. I'm selling. So I'm going to buy it for some of the same reasons, but just a different, just a different perspective on it. So 
there's obviously been nothing that's came out publicly to say that there's no the sponsorships are pulling out nobody's supporting this but i'm wondering if, if there's talk behind closed doors that's basically just seeing this as a more progressive move on their part to be ahead of the curve because i think of all the teams to your point i think that the that the football team they had a little bit it was a little bit different right there was a lot of disagreement with that and and regardless of how you feel about it, there was a lot of disagreement about their former team name. And it was always in the news. Now, I, I'm, maybe I'm not the best person to talk on this, but I feel that the Indian's name is not one that has been criticized as much. It's not taken the same amount of heat. It's, it's not under fire as much as some of the uh, tribe names or certainly the, the football team's former name, but I'm going to buy it in the in the sense of they're just trying to be ahead of the curve here. They want to figure out what they can do uh, to get ahead of this and that they can be progressive in, in that sense. Not, no pun intended with progressive as their main sponsor, but basically just them kind of being ahead of the curve and, and trying to be socially conscious of the environment that we live in and, and just trying to be more apt to the culture. I, I can respect the move and I understand it. I'm interested to see what it is. Um, I have been on Twitter today saying I hope it's the Cleveland baseball team just for the sake of just for the sake of similarity there. But I'm, I'm interested to see how it all works out. Yeah, I, I wonder if they're going to do a campaign similar to Washington, where Washington was like not so much doing a campaign, but it, it was more like a charge. Right. Like everyone was throwing out their names. There was a name that was I think it was the Red Wolves. That was number one at one point. I, I wonder if they're going to do something like that. But, you know, maybe even Major League Baseball helps them, you know, uh, other owners come up with a name. And, and are they just going to be Cleveland this year? Like, are they just going to be flat out Cleveland? Like, no, no baseball team or anything. Just Cleveland. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it makes me wonder if they already have something in the works as we record this. Because yesterday on Monday, they're, they're coming out and releasing that they're going to change their name and an announcement will be coming soon. It makes me wonder that because of this, the way that they've announced it, that they already have something worked out, that they already have the, the rights and, and everything is ready to go. Because you can keep some of that a little bit more quiet behind closed doors. But, but the football teams was different, right? Because it was a lot more public. And there's pressure, people are pulling out, and it was a lot quicker. Because to your point, Dan Snyder was adamant that he was never going to change the name. So it makes me think that maybe the Indians have sat back for, for a couple years, or, or maybe even less than a year now, and said, this is how we want to go about this, and we'll announce it into the 2021 season. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens uh, going forward. Um, very interested to see, because uh, as ironic and crazy as it is, um, February is when pitchers and catchers are bored and that's like a month and a half away. Um, I mean, that's just crazy um, that you have that happening in February, but I digress. Uh, Ryan, tell everyone who we have on the show today. We have another great interview today. It's Mr. Brian Custer works for Showtime Boxing uh, as an analyst for Fox Sports. He does a little bit with some NBA on Sirius XM and really that's the, the, bulk of our interview is talking NBA with the season upcoming here in, in about a week now. We also have a little bit of boxing talk, but Brian is is very up to on the NBA and, and we're excited to have him and we hope that you guys enjoy him as well. And now our interview with Brian Custer. All right, we now welcome on the host of Showtime Boxing, a Fox Sports play-by-play -play analyst and host of the Last Stand podcast uh, on Apple and Spotify, Mr. Brian Custer. Brian, thank you for joining the Two Ryan Sports Show here today. Hey, my pleasure, guys. 
Yeah, absolutely. Again, we're glad to have you. And actually, we want to talk a little NBA with you here um, today, just because we're starting to come around the season. We know you work with Sirius XM and the NBA, too. Uh, so one of the big things that has kind of just came up in the last couple hours, even uh, recurring over the last weeks is James Harden and the Rockets. It seems to be a big saga going on in the NBA right now, uh, listing out his potential trade suitors uh, as Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn, or Philly. So is he going to go anywhere? Do, do we expect him to be traded? And, and what does this mean for Houston? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, you know, I think for the Rockets standpoint, they kind of want to get him on the on the court, uh, you know, get him playing, you know, hopefully drive up some of his marketability. You know, I think Philly obviously would love to get their hands on him. You know, Daryl Morey just covets this guy. I mean, let's not forget Daryl Morey said he's the greatest scoring person that's ever uh, basically played in the NBA, even besides Jordan. So, you know, his affinity and love. Uh, for Daryl Morey is there. So that's why, you know, he added Philly to the list. You know, one of the reasons why Brooklyn, he wants to play there, obviously, is his relationship with Kevin Durant. But, you know, he loves Mike D'Antoni. I mean, let's let's be honest. Mike D'Antoni put a, a, initiated an offense centered around him. And so for me, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of team he gets dealt to because James Harden, is only used to playing his way and his way is having the basketball and having a bunch of role players around him who can basically just stand in the corner, wait for him to pass it when he feels like he's going to pass it and then shoot the basketball. Other than that, when have you seen him excel in that office, except for when he started his career at Oklahoma city and he was coming off the bench. But after that, it has always been a system that has been centered around him. And he's been a guy who almost who hasn't been able to play well in the sandbox with guys. You know, you got to remember Dwight Howard, when he came to Houston, it was like bringing in Dwight Howard. They were supposed to be the great duo. He couldn't get along with Dwight Howard. They shipped him out of there. They brought in Chris Paul. Chris Paul was going to be great. Now Chris Paul can handle the basketball and James Harden can play off the basketball and shoot. Well, they didn't get along because why? James Harden wanted the basketball more. So they shipped Chris Paul up out of there. And now you have Russell Westbrook who comes in, who was supposed to help that. And now they couldn't get along and they ship out where Russell Westbrook. So for me, it'll be interesting to see A, where he goes, but B, if he can get along because he seems to only get along when the offense is centered around him. So it's almost safe to assume that he would not be dealt to Milwaukee because of the, the Giannis connection there, having a, having a two-time MVP? Yes, okay. exactly. I, I think from Milwaukee's standpoint, they're all about the super maxing Giannis and building around him. Uh, I, I would find it very hard for him to end up in Milwaukee. You know, listen, I, I know Miami – uh, basically has been trying to keep cap space because they've been wanting to try to get Giannis uh, after next season. You know, if he got there, man, I, I don't know how he would fit in that culture. Uh, Miami has a culture there uh, that you have to buy into. And I think Jimmy Butler has done a good job in falling in line with that culture and setting that culture too with the rest of those young guys. I don't know. I don't know if, if that would work having James Harden there. To me, it, it only seems like uh, Philadelphia or if it was Brooklyn, if it was going to be a match. But keep in mind, too, that uh, Houston has been adamant when it comes to Brooklyn that they want Kyrie Irving part of the deal. 
One thing I find fascinating is going into the season, it's the second time where Clay Thompson's not going to be part of the Warriors for two seasons. I just find it interesting. What do you think is going to happen with the Warriors going forward? I think, you know, Golden State has got one of those questions like, are we going to, I don't want to say blow it up or rebuild, but where are we now uh, going forward here? Because, you know, listen, this will be their first time having Steph back in the the season. Um, You know, I I know they want to give him an extension and want him to retire as a warrior. But now that you see them trying to scrimmage, I really thought, to me, they were probably going to be the biggest obstacle to the Lakers going into the season uh, until until Clay got hurt. Then once Clay got hurt, I'll be honest with you, you know, Golden State is going to have to struggle even to make the postseason. Uh, say what you want. And I know people say, hey, well, look, what are you talking about? Steph is healthy. Draymond healthy. Uh, yeah, that's right. But, you know, you take away Clay Thompson, that's a lot of offense out of your offense. Now, listen, Kelly Oubre is a really good player. Uh, he's not elite level that Clay Thompson is who can give you buckets on the offense and one of your best defenders as well. I think people forget about that. Now you got a collection of young guys, the Wisemans and, you know, uh, Pascal, the young kids who they had play last year, who've got to grow up and, and let's have Draymond's got to play better this year. He was horrible last year. And so he's got to have it come back, but now all of a sudden they've got to battle with the Phoenixes who all of a sudden, who look great in the bubble. Now they get Chris Paul and Devin Booker, a great backcourt. People think that this is the year, obviously, you know, the Mavericks will will be even better. Uh, They think that this is a year that Memphis could take a step. You know, the Portland, it's like you can go team after team after team in the West, and you say, oh, yeah, 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 and Golden State. They're going to have to battle to to become one of those lower-tier teams, whether it's seventh or eighth, uh, for that playoff spot. We oddly forget about them in a year where they missed the playoffs, even though they've been such a powerhouse over the right. last decade. Yeah. So yeah. looking in uh, one name that you mentioned, and, and this kind of leads into my next question here is about rookies. I know you mentioned James Wiseman out there in, in Golden State now. So last year's rookie class featured Zion, Jaw, some of the best talent we've seen in, in a rookie class in coming years. But who do you think from this year's rookie class is going to stand out and, and make that instant impact in 2020, 2021? You know, it's it's always hard. I mean, I think I think Ja Morant was was easy. Him and Zion last year because you you saw what they did. I mean, you got the chance to see what they did in the tournament, and so you knew what you were getting out of those guys. You know, we're coming off of, of COVID, and so we really didn't get a chance to see these guys in the tournament play at all. Wiseman, I mean, what he played eight games, five games, whatever it was there at Memphis. We really got to see him. The good thing for him is he's learning how to be a pro with some of the best in Steph Curry. You couldn't have better mentor. Uh, so that's a good thing for Wiseman. Is he going to be an impact player? I would say no. Uh, to me, it, listen, I think LaMelo Ball is probably going to be that guy that we saw like Ja Morant. Why? Because he's going to have the basketball, I think, in his hands a lot. Charlotte went and got him for a reason. They need to get some butts in the seats. I mean, so you go out and you get an exciting guy like LaMelo Ball. Obviously, they brought in Gordon Hayward as well, but they went and got LaMelo Ball for the excitement factor. And I think because he will have the basketball in his hand and to be 6'7", 6'8", to shoot it, uh, to be able to set his his teammates up, to me, I think he will probably be the most impactful uh, rookie that we saw that was drafted. 
Yeah, uh, I'm a Knicks fan. Uh, have been for a long time. And uh, Ob Toppin is a good. Yeah. Hey, Ob, he he's like I, you know what? Ob Toppin to me is like Kenyon Martin. You know, I remember when Kenyon Martin came in with just rock the rim. Now listen, could, could Kenyon uh, knock down a five, 10 footer? Yes, but he never expanded his game to the 15 to 20. And so that's what you're going to have uh, need to do with Obi Toppin. Obi's going to have to obviously uh, upgrade his outside game. But I tell you what, if you're going to run the court, uh, all you got to do is throw it up to that young man and let him go get it. Plus, he's coming back home. He's from Brooklyn. So, you know, Nick fans love that. And I live in the Northeast, so I know for a fact they are – they're loving it. But it's like, damn, how many forwards y'all want? They got like a collection of forwards here in New York. You got to start shuttling some of these guys out of there. Yeah, uh, Ryan on the other end, he uh, – him and a bunch of fans uh, – ripped me because like my thing is like I don't think Obi Toppin's a bad player but my thing is a Knicks fan looking at it from the outside is look man we we get rid of players we get rid of Kristoff's we you know got Tim Hardaway Jr. in that trade you know we have Kevin Knox who was supposed to be you know kind of like Obi right who was supposed yeah. to get up last year he was the worst in the league 232 right. out of defense efficiency like those are the kind of things that I worry as a Knicks fan like people keep hyping people up and you just got to wait till it happens but my next question is, and it's really a two-parter, and it's my last one. What's our expectations for LeBron going into year, you know, 18, 19? And what's Luca's expectations? Those are the two players I find that's going to really battle it out in the West. Well, with LeBron, greatness. I mean, I, I'm never going to – I'm never going to count against that guy. Um, I mean, for him to be 35, you're going to turn 36. Um, and, and, you know, you can, you can arguably say that their team has gotten better. Um, for, for him, you know, you look around, you get Serge Ibaka. So now, you know, you get that, that guy to, to come in there and, and to help out. Uh, I mean, they went and got Gasol or made the trade for Schroeder, I should say. Um, so now all of a sudden they, they have replenished. I mean, you get rid of Danny Green and you're replacing with Wes Matthews, who's just as good. Um, I just think they are going to be really really good surge with the clippers montrez now with the lakers i mean i just i just think they're going to be really really good you got ad you got him there for the next few years um you know lebron's gonna be lebron and i just think that the additions they made i just think the team is better uh than they had last year now listen i understand the bubble um you know they probably were the more most focused team uh, they're in the bubble, uh, but I just I, I like their additions. I think they, they are again probably the team to beat uh, in the NBA. Now listen, I'm, I'm you know Dallas is my second home. You know I lived in Dallas for a number of years, so I'm all about the Don. So I'm, I love Luca. I think the, you know it's a wise chase if you're putting some money down on uh, MVP. Obviously, obviously you put it down on Luca because he has the basketball 24/7. He runs that offense. And it's amazing. He's the only guy under that system that Carlisle has had that, that he's had free reign. If you notice, there's never been, even when Jason Kidd was there, it was still Carlisle calling plays. And he's the only guy who you can basically see dismiss Carlisle and does, does his own thing. That's how special he is. Uh, so I think Dallas will be good. I, I want Dallas to be good. Um, I do think they're, they are lacking one more guy because um, Porzingis 
that knee is troublesome to me. Um, it was troublesome when Luca basically took on the Clippers by himself with Porzingis out and nearly knocked them off. Um, Porzingis has got to get that, got to be healthy. And then for Dallas to really be good, they need one more guy, I think, to step up uh, and help that team out. Uh, I think they're a move away from really contending in the West. But I love Luka Doncic because that kid can play, man. And, and the best thing about Luka is everyone says, well, you know, he's so special because of his athleticism and this and that. It's not like he's out of the world with athleticism, but he plays the game at his speed and he makes you play at his speed. And that, to me, that's the greatness of Luka Doncic to be as young as he is. And all these guys jumping out of the gym and have all kind of athleticism. He still plays at his speed and that, and that, and dominates that way. I love that. Certainly creates more fun in the West, as as we typically say every year as NBA fans. Yeah. The West is the West is always fun to watch. But of one more question for you, and and again, we thank you for your time coming Absolutely. on. I would I would feel wrong if I didn't ask you a boxing question coming out here. So, I think maybe boxing has yearly trends. It has kind of fallen off, right? It doesn't always have the same numbers. We look back at the seventies and say, oh, it's not the same as when Muhammad Ali was fighting. Yeah. But we have great fighters. We have guys like Tyson Fury, Alvarez, Lomachenko. But how do we gain how do we gain those numbers back? I, I know we talk about like these novelty boxing matches with Logan Paul and, and Nate Robinson. Does that help the sport? Does that hurt the sport? How yeah. are we gonna turn this around? Yeah, I think, you know, I know I listen, I know a lot of traditionalists may say, hey, look, I don't like that. But but you know what? To me, I, I look at it a little bit differently. Whenever we can bring fresh eyes to the sport, I think it's a good thing. And, you know, I have sons and they're always on their phones. They're always on YouTube. And, you know, they watch the fights only because they know that that's what dad does. But they they all get giddy. Hey, when dad, you know, Logan Paul's fighting such and such, you're going to I'm going to want, you know. And so for me to get that younger demo into the sport, I'm all with it. One of the reasons why Floyd is going to fight this guy, uh, Paul's brother because he understands these guys have a huge following. I got a huge following. <laughs> Why not just bring them all together? He did the same thing when he did with McGregor. They got a huge following. Boxing's got a good following. Let's bring it together. And it was the second highest pay-per-view in pay-per-view history. So if you can get a guy who's got 40, 50 million followers on social media, and then Floyd's got all these millions, why not bring it together and let's make some money? Uh, I, I do think that the sport, uh, is good. I think sometimes it's a little lazy when people say, oh, you know, uh, it's not the same. It's not. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with matchmaking. Mm -hmm. If you put together the guys, the top guys and make them fight, people can watch. You know what I mean? And I think when you look at the fight game now, what do they want to see? They want to see Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford put the fight together. Forget about the politics. Okay. I understand that right now, that Terrence Crawford is, is with top rank in ESPN. I understand that Arrow's with the PBC and Showtime and Fox. Well, then that means you have to talk. And now you got to split the money and then put the fight. But if you start putting on the fights that people want to see, oh, they're going to come because you're giving them top quality content. And I think that's what it is on the, the networks. It's on the promote, promoters to make the fights that people want to see. 
Well, I'm certainly looking forward to some more big fights again. I know we have great fighters out there and, and hopefully these fights happen in the near future. But yeah, Brian, again, we appreciate you coming on. And for all of our listeners, again, make sure you listen to the Last Stand podcast with Brian Cusser as well. Uh, Brian, as you go about your life, everything that you do, I hope you and your loved ones continue to stay safe, um, stay out of the pandemic as much as possible. And hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon. Hey, I look forward to it. Look, I'm in our Showtime bubble right now here at the Mohegan Sun in the hotel room. I can't even leave. I got to order room service. I can't leave the room until fight night. So, yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do here. Stay in safe. I hope you guys have you stay safe and have a great holiday. Thanks. Yep, absolutely, Brian. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care. Yep. Brian, just keep knocking them down with the interviews. Every week, more good interviews. Brian was great. I enjoyed talking NBA with him and uh, even admittedly not being a big NBA guy myself. Now, now I'm kind of ready for the season. Yeah. It's right around the corner, which is insane to think about. It felt like it just ended yesterday. Um, but let's get into NFL recap. I mean, this was the best weekend on paper. As far as game wise, it was the worst as far as like, there weren't really close games, but right at the top of the list, uh, Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions, but he's still, you know, he's Patrick Mahomes. He's going to do what he does. 393, two touchdowns, two of those, 316, two touchdowns. I, I found myself enjoying this game. Uh, Miami went up 10-0. Then, of course, uh, here's a comparison for you. I feel like the Chiefs, they're like the Warriors from a couple years ago where they just flip it on a dime and, okay, guys, we're down 10-0. We're down, you know, 17-0, whatever. Let, let's flip it around. That's how it feels, and the game kind of looked that way. Miami did find themselves late in the fourth, uh, getting back into it, but just too much. It's nice to see that Patrick Mahomes is not invincible. Knowing that he, air quotes, struggled a little bit on Sunday, but he still kind of is invincible because even when the Chiefs are bad, they still find this way to turn around and win games. Credit the Dolphins, though. They played a pretty good game to start, um, having him picked off twice in the first quarter is no small task. And, and I think you should put a banner up for that because that's very impressive, but the chiefs are the chiefs for a reason. That's, that's why they win games. And, and I think back to uh, talking to Trey Wingo a couple weeks ago until somebody beats 15, when it matters, it doesn't matter. And nobody can seem to beat him. I know the Raiders had one time earlier this year, but Mahomes is Mahomes for a reason. And, and he proves his greatness weekend and week out, even when he struggles. Yeah. I, but here's something just to, to show you how hard the NFL is. It hasn't been done since 2004 where a team has repeated as champions. As good as their offense might be with Tyreek, Travis Kelsey, Le'Veon Bell, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Patrick Mahomes, you know, you, the list can keep going, right? I don't think they do it. I think there's someone else in the AFC that's going to emerge. Could be that Buffalo team to get to a Super Bowl, and we'll talk talk at that game, you know, at the end of our NFL recap, but I just think it's too hard for the last 16 years for a team to repeat. There's a reason that it hasn't been done that long. Now, you could say that it can be done because if Seattle wouldn't have had thrown that interception and they would have scored, obviously it would have been done, right? But, you know, Things didn't work out that way. I just, I think Kansas City, they're going to end up hosting a home playoff game in the AFC Championship game. They will get to the Super Bowl, I think, them or Buffalo. But even if Kansas City gets to the Super Bowl, I don't think, I don't think they're, they're, um, they're winning. 
because I know I said, you know, two episodes ago that I think someone from the AFC could win the Super Bowl and, and it'll probably be someone from the AFC. I just don't think Kansas City can do it, but I, because I think the pressure would be too, too much, too much for back-to-back Super Bowls. I understand Patrick's built a little differently, but I mean, we might have different thoughts on that. My, my, my counter to that would be that Patrick Mahomes, exactly what you said, is built differently because he just does not seem to waver under any type of pressure at all. And, and I know we're dating back here a season, but think of the playoff games that he was in last year, being down 10, 17, whatever many points. And he's just like, we're fine. We're fine. This is fine. We're good. We're exactly where we want to be. What do you mean you're exactly where you want to be? How can you be losing by 10, 17 points and be exactly where you want to be? Patrick Mahomes and, and that team are built different. And as long as he's the quarterback of that team, they always will be. Now, I don't think they're going to win every Super Bowl for the next 10 years or anything of, of that stature, but Patrick Mahomes will build that team differently and, and they'll continue to be successful for that reason. Yeah, uh, it's very uh, interesting going for them as the number one seed right now. Arizona, New York. Arizona got back on track. Nice solid win. Kyler 24 for 35, 244, one touchdown. Uh, really where Arizona won this game was on third down, seven for 18 on third down. Um, that's just numbers that you have to stop if you want to have a chance at beating them. Uh, but they played really well. Yeah, the Giants weren't the same Giants. And, and I saw a lot of folks even saying about Daniel Jones that maybe he came back a little bit too soon and maybe he wasn't fully healthy in this game. But give credit to the Cardinals because we've we've been on on them for a little while as they've kind of fallen and, and we've I, I feel like we've kind of taken their backs being like, no, the, the Cardinals are still good. They'll be fine. And this is a get right game for them. And I think that they took it in stride. But it's it's tough to survive in that. It's tough to survive in that NFC West. Even even a team that is on a down year, such as the 49ers, they play well and you have to come to play every week and to make it into the playoffs from that division is going to be no small task because you have to fight through a lot of good teams to get there. So credit to the Cardinals for winning. And, and, and like I said, get having that get right game. Yeah, they, they needed that. Uh, they absolutely needed that. If they want to have a shot at making and sliding in at number six or seven, because the next matchup that we're going to talk about both of these teams, no matter the outcome yesterday, I think, think I still think Minnesota is going to make it but Minnesota 14 Tampa Bay 26 look man Kirk Cousins he had two fumbles lost that is something that feels very Kirk Cousins ish if that makes sense because when he plays well he plays really really well but when he plays bad he doesn't look good and he makes turnovers and he makes mistakes but Brady didn't look good at all yesterday i mean he had he threw for 196 which is good but there were a couple throws in that game where he completely overthrew people like mike evans and chris godwin uh there's one throw in the second quarter uh and you'll if you i'm sure if you youtube it or google it or something you can find it that chris godwin's essentially open for a touchdown at the middle of the 50 yard line because of a blown coverage from minnesota tom brady overthrows him by like 17 20 yards um and Dalvin Cook, though, he's still doing he's still doing his thing. 22 carries, 102 yards, one touchdown. Both of these teams feel feel wishy-washy. 
like you have a good game, you have a bad game, but Minnesota's played really well of late. And then they have that, you know, the dud yesterday. I feel like both of these teams are going to end up making it out of Arizona over Arizona now, excuse me, because I think Arizona's weaknesses are worse than Minnesota's. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's where it really gets interesting is because we talked about it on our last episode of, of how much this matters to the playoffs so the Buccaneers now own what would essentially be a two-game lead over the eighth spot. So the Buccaneers are sixth in the playoffs and, and essentially have a two-game lead over the Vikings now in the eighth spot. So it's the Cardinals that are really teetering that bubble. Now, if they can win and, and maybe the Bucs lose another game, they can get there. But we're, we're running out of games that you can do this. There's only three games left for every team, well, except for the Browns and Ravens because we recorded this before that game. But this this is really kind of getting down to the wire now. So if the Vikings want to make the playoffs, they, in my opinion, essentially have to win out. You don't really have too much. You don't really have too much that would fall outside of that. You have to win now, and and that's really it. And and the Vikings, this was a chance for them to separate themselves, but the Cardinals win and the Vikings lose. So I, I think the playoff picture is taking a little bit more more shape than it was last week, and. Maybe the Vikings will still find themselves on the outside. Yeah, we need we need a uh, Steve Karnacki, uh, the new invented position on NBC, <laughs> playoff uh, expertologist or whatever they're calling him, uh, to talk about the playoff picture for the NFC. Because I mean, this thing's jumbled from top to bottom, even with the one, two, three, four seeds. Um, I just who's going to come out of that NFC? I don't know. It's so chaotic, right? It, it's just chaos because. Green Bay looks really good yesterday. New Orleans did. You have teams like Washington, who we'll talk about in a moment. They're they're sitting at the division lead, and their defense, their defensive line, I'm putting it out there, is the best in the league. Period. Period. There, there's no there's no there's no other possible first de- best defensive line. It's them. It's them. I mean, you have Minnesota. You have Tampa. I mean. Who is going to, and you have the Rams, right? We, we didn't even talk about the Rams, but because they played on Thursday, like it's just, it, it's chaos. Uh, where's Steve Karnacki? We, we need you, Steve. Well, and, and oddly enough, and, and I, I don't think we'll get into this game too much, but that means that the, with the results of Sunday, the Bears are at six and seven now too, along with the Vikings. So right when we talk about the Vikings separating themselves, the Bears are now six and seven with them. And I'm not saying the Bears are going to make the playoffs, but they're, they're right in that position. If something wild happens, the Cardinals lose out and the Bears win out, it, the Bears could make the playoffs right when we thought that they would never do it. So it's it a lot to be hashed out in the last three weeks, especially in the NFC. Yeah, where, where's uh, where's our telestrator? And, uh, you know, to talk about percentages of, uh, uh, of who's going to make it because, you know, uh, by the way, are you? Do you like the Steve Karnacki uh, position that he he got on NBC? Whatever they invented for him. Uh, you know, I kind of enjoy it. I kind of enjoy it because then I have an idea of of how much of a percentage these yeah. teams have. Yeah. Um, Indianapolis, Vegas, the four hundred five game that you know we thought it should be a four twenty five game. I, I guess we're glad we're not uh, that that it uh, wasn't because. I mean, you know, we're still a Raiders podcast. We're still Vegas strong, right? But uh, the, it, it's starting to look really slim for them, slim for them in Vegas as far as just how tough that AFC is um, in making the wild card. I, I really, really hope something chaos 
McKinnon Sue for them to slide in at number seven. I just think it's not going to happen. Jonathan Taylor, though, yesterday, what a day for the young man out of Wisconsin. 20 carries, 150 yards, two touchdowns. Derek Carr threw for 316, two touchdowns, two picks. Nelson Aguilar, uh, five catches, 100 yards. So I just – Indianapolis, they're a team that's dangerous too in the AFC, right? Because all the AFC wildcard teams, you could easily t- convince yourself that one of those wildcard teams, whoever those three are on wildcard weekend – can go to the AFC championship game, whether it's Miami, whether it's Indianapolis. Um, I, I think uh, who, who's number fifth right now. I, I forget who number five is. It's so Cleveland. five, five in the AFC is Cleveland, yeah. right? Cleveland. So, I mean, you, you have three teams you could legitimately convince yourself seeing in, you know, in Kansas city, most likely for, for the AFC championship game. Plus, we still got to talk about Buffalo here in a moment, but I really like that Buffalo Bills team. I mean, I just – what's your thoughts on, on Indy Vegas? Well, where the, where the NFC is chaotic, the AFC is deep. It, it's not that – they both have about the same amount of teams that are vying for playoff spots in them that you realistically could say, oh, yeah, these teams could get in. But you could convince yourself, because I know I can convince myself, that even the team that, as we record this, again, this is before the Ravens and Browns game, that the Ravens, who are in the eighth spot, not even in the playoffs, I can convince myself right now that the Ravens are good enough to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> because, because of how this rushing attack looks. It's, it's so wild that there's so much depth in the AFC. I know that sounds crazy. I don't think they will. There's better teams. But when they are playing well, they play like one of the best teams in the NFL. The AFC's deep. I think the I think the the Raiders' best thing that they have going for them is a fairly easy schedule on the way out of the season, playing the Chargers and Broncos each once, and then having to play the Dolphins um, in a primetime game, which will I think really tell us where they're at <laughs> in the playoff picture. Not this upcoming week, but next week. They they have the benefit of an easy schedule, but I feel like, and I just I just want to say this, I feel like I've kind of inadvertently ignored Indianapolis over the last few weeks that we've been doing this. Give them credit. They they took a Raiders team that has theoretically been in the playoffs all year and, and been good and just stomped them. They stomped them and, and proved their point that, hey, we absolutely belong here and we're, we're going to do it. And Jonathan Taylor was a big part of that. Um, I, I might might have convinced myself that he wouldn't have been a good NFL back because he had about 17,000 carries at Wisconsin, but 150 yards. And I know a lot of that came on one run, but still it's, it's a, it's a big day and it really proves their point. And, and even Phillip rivers, if you want to call him a game manager, that's fine. But if, if they can win games, they can win games. I, I think Indianapolis is, um, is an odd contender in the, in the AFC a little bit too. Yeah, I would actually – I think I'd be okay if Phillip Rivers and the Colts made it to the AFC Championship game just because I'd like to see Phillip make it to at least a stage like that in the playoffs and 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 be able to possibly get his team into the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, if it wasn't for Tennessee, he would be talking about, you know, me included and you 
would be talking about Indianapolis more, but there is a team and a guy down there called the human wrecking ball in Nashville who let's be honest, that team is insanely good of how balanced they are with passing. Now we don't know what AJ Brown, you know, what his future looks like because he did come up limping yesterday uh, with the catch, but he had a great one handed catch. I don't know if you saw it mm-hmm. like 40 yard bombs like that team I mean, the AFC is just top to bottom. Who knows what's going to happen? But let's get to it. New Orleans, Philadelphia. I know you're excited. Yeah. Hey, Jalen. How, how you doing, bud? Because, uh, you know, you're going to – it's your team now. It is. And if anything, uh, it could be a QB competition, you know, in the spring or, or mini camp or OTAs or – uh, training camp next year but that's just a spark you need that's that's really all it comes down to I mean when we first started doing this you know just you know a month and a half ago I wasn't for it right like you remember me saying I wanted Carson Wentz to say the guy but he looks broken and there's something that Jalen Hurts brings and it almost takes me back to like thinking I, I don't know why but it makes me feel a little Kaepernickish. I don't, I don't think he's going to take the Eagles to the Super Bowl this year. Don't like that's not what I'm saying, but like when San Francisco replaced Alex with with Colin, there was a spark there, and, and things just you know lit a fire under that team. That's what I feel like can happen with with Philly as far as like having a spark going forward because they ran the ball pretty well yesterday as a team rushing. 246 yards and Miles Sanders, you know, one of those big runs that you mentioned with Jonathan Taylor, Miles Sanders had that, but I mean, he still had 14 carries on 15 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, that Eagles team just, that's what they need. And, and, that, and that's all they needed to possibly save Doug's job going forward is a spark. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned about the, the 100 yard rushers. I, I can't remember the exact games. Again, I, I don't have that stat in front of me, but it had been a number of games since the Saints had given up a 100-yard rusher, they've been very stout in that area. Then they gave up two yesterday with Jalen Hurts and, and Miles Sanders. So it was a, a big game for them in that sense. Philly's still in this. Philly is still in this. And, and we've, we've repeatedly said it over each episode that we've done this. That, that tie matters right now. It's, it's so weird that that tie matters for Philadelphia, but – Jalen Hurts definitely was the spark that they needed. I'll be honest with you. I didn't expect them to, even though it was a home game, I did not expect them to beat New Orleans, the number one seed going into going into Sunday in the NFC. But here we are. Philly's, Philly's still in playoff contention. Maybe they leap the football team. That's to be seen. Again, we're running out of games to do it. But Jalen Hurts might be here to stay, Ryan. You might have your guy. I really hope so because I don't know what's going to happen with Carson's contract, but that's, that's a topic for a different time. Washington, San Francisco, this game was a little, a little ugly on the, uh, <laughs> on the service of things, but Washington wins 23 15 with no offensive touchdowns. That's crazy. Uh, Chase young fumble recovery, scoop and score, uh, Pearl, uh, Cameron Curl for uh, Washington cornerback uh, pick six uh, to the house and then they have two field goals. So 
Um, they look really good. That defensive line is legitimately the best in all of football. I mean, there, there's, there's no second. I mean, I, like I just said, you know, a couple minutes ago, I mean, look, Chase Young is ridiculous, ridiculous. And I'm not one to like right away when it comes to rookie seasons, like, oh, this guy's the next real deal. But he's as close as you can get to looking as good as you can in a first season as a rookie because he's just – he comes off the ball, man. He's so fast and quick, you know, moving on linemen. I mean, that Washington team, I, I think they're going to host a playoff game. Yeah, they, they really look like it. And, and I know I just said seconds ago that Philly's still in this. But – in, in the overall scope of it, I think Washington is the team to beat right now in the NFC East. I know this fluctuates seemingly every week, but really what Washington has been able to put together is, is, is pretty incredible. Now, what some of this is going to hinge on, though, is will Alex Smith be okay because of his calf injury? I know that they talked about that a little bit yesterday, and, and there's still some concern around it because I don't think they want to go back to Dwayne Haskins at the quarterback position Ron Rivera's adamantly been against it, basically putting him at third string from first string earlier this year. So that that tells you kind of where he stands there. But Chase Young, I, I remember coming into this draft season, there there were scouts and, and teams alike that even thought that Chase Young was the best player in this draft. But the reason that Cincinnati would take Joe Burrow is because they needed a quarterback. No shot at Joe Burrow. I mean, certainly he's a great football player. I love Joe Burrow. He was the right pick at number one. But there is a reason that Chase Young was drafted number two and talked about so highly. And he continues to prove it week in and week out. And, and I would be the first to say if he has a 12 to 15-year NFL career, sign me up for watching him on Sundays. Yeah, he's really good. That Washington defense is really good. I mean, they just won a game without a single offensive touchdown. I, I don't know what's going to happen going forward, like you said, with Alex. But, I mean, I tell you what, I mean, I, I think they're going to win the division and host a playoff game in Washington. But this, this kind of sounds like a team I remember from last year that can't score on offense, but just basically tells their defense to, to win some games for them. Now, we were 8-8 eight and eight in the tough division, but, you know, maybe, maybe Washington can inch it out that way. <laughs> I mean, it's also – I mean, Alex Smith feels like a perfect fit for this team. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if he's a franchise QB. I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely like a game manager type guy and, 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 you know, middle of the road packed and always has been, you know, finding himself on an NFL team. But I mean, if Dwayne Haskins is a starter, I don't know if, if they can make the playoffs. Cause there were a couple of throws yesterday where that guy just, oof, oh boy. I mean, like you can't overthrow some of the receivers like he was doing yesterday. There were a couple uh, out routes too. Uh, that he had th thrown and they would hit receivers nowhere close to the numbers. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know if that's the guy who should be taking snaps, but. I'll take my punishment because I said last year, he was probably going to be the best quarterback of the class yeah. in 2019. So, yeah, you know, we're, we all get one. There's been, <laughs> there's been rumors uh, in, in Washington uh, from reports I've uh, seen here the last um, like the, this season when he got benched uh, that he is not motivated to learn the playbook. And I, I mean, how are you going to lead a team into the playoffs? If you're not willing to learn the play playbook, that's a pretty big, pretty big thing that you need to do. Uh, last game though, of the, of the day, 
kind of lived up to the hype in a way, really. Uh, the Buffalo-Pittsburgh game, um, you know, wasn't back and forth crazy, leads taken and all that kind of stuff. I mean, really where the game got interesting was right before half, to tell you the truth, uh, the pick six. Uh, but look, the Washington win highlighted something, and that's why losses are actually a good thing in the NFL. And, and unlike college, if a team can go undefeated, you don't know what your, your weaknesses are going into next season, you know what I mean, or even next week. But Pittsburgh, what Washington did, as great as that win was for Washington, it also highlighted Pittsburgh's biggest weakness, which is their rushing. Last night, they, as a team, combined for 47 yards. I mean, that's just abysmal. I mean, you can't have that if you want to win a Super Bowl uh, in Tampa this season or even beat Kansas City. I mean, that is atrocious numbers. I mean, and Stephon Diggs, 130 yards, one touchdown yesterday. I mean, that Buffalo team, I'm telling you, that Buffalo team is legitimately good. And if they beat Kansas city at Arrowhead um, in January, don't be shocked because Josh Allen playing really well. I mean, last night he threw for two thirty-eight, two touchdowns. You have Stefan Diggs. You have one of the most underrated defensive secondaries in the league. Okay. And you have a team who really believes they can win. And, and look, it's crazy that they're going to end up winning the AFC North and they're going to host a playoff game because they've been in the playoffs the last couple of years and, and not have playoff games. I would, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I want people to be safe, of course, but man, it would just be so nice to see Buffalo fans in January at, at, at Bill's, you know, stadium in Orchard Park, because that team deserves and fan base deserves a, a really good team. And they have it this year. And I really do think, even though they're number three right now in AFC uh, behind Pittsburgh, obviously, I think they're actually the second best team. And I actually think they give Kansas City's uh, best shot. Well, they proved it last night because obviously that's the matchup of, of two and three at the time of, of the city. Well, I guess Pittsburgh was still kind of technically, we're, we won't, we're not a specifics podcast. Yeah, we're, not. <laughs> yeah, we're not specific people, but you, you kind of get where we're coming from there. You're right, though. Pittsburgh's weakness was definitely highlighted. After the game, they, they came out with the statistic and said Pittsburgh ran for 47 yards. And my first thought was, wow, it was that many? Because it just it doesn't feel like they can get anything going there. And, and you know, I'll, I'll say it. I think one of the other biggest weaknesses of our offense has been Roethlisberger. We've not been able to connect on deep passes. And, and certainly there was more drops last night. And I, I kind of quickly last week blamed Eric Ebron for that. But Deontay Johnson might be more guilty than he is. I thought I could justify his drops, but my goodness, no, it's, it's, it was horrible. And I actually give a lot of credit though on, on Pittsburgh side though, to, to the defense because the defense was decimated by injuries and they played about as well as they could to keep themselves in the game. They had some turnovers in the first half, really tried to keep it close. I think they got tired in the second half. I believe Pittsburgh was one for 10 on third downs though on offense. So your defense is obviously going to be on the field more, but Buffalo really sell it kind of set themselves apart in this regard. Pittsburgh's limping going into the playoffs and Buffalo is, is kind of starting to run a little bit going into the playoffs. One of the things that was really impressive about Josh Allen that, that I noticed throughout the night, when you, when you play Pittsburgh, you're going to face a lot of pressure. They're 70 straight games with a sack and NFL record. So they, they come after the quarterback. There were times in that first half where Josh Allen looked flustered. But overall, and through the course of the game, he got more comfortable. He learned to step up. He learned to use his legs like he did. 
He's a fun quarterback to watch. And I realize that mobility kind of goes away as you get older and that's for all quarterbacks. You know, you're not going to have that same level of, of mobility, but for the time that he's in this, this age range, watch him because he has been fun to watch. And, and even though I was as a fan upset last night that he was cakewalking with Stefan Diggs all over our secondary in the second half, he's a fun player to watch. And, and I, I would be the first one to say if the bills won the super bowl this year, I am all for that. That is a franchise that deserves a Super Bowl, four straight losses, no no division titles for what, like 25 years now. I I can see myself rooting for the Bills down the stretch because they're a team that you would say, yeah, well, we want to feel good for them. Yeah, I I'm I, I'm telling you. I'm I'm telling you. It's going to be Buffalo and Kansas City. If I'm wrong, we'll put this clip out there, but it's going to be Buffalo and Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. But we'll put a disclaimer. If Ryan's wrong, we'll put this as a 2021 prediction. Okay. <laughs> How many clips do you expect me to find? I, got, I can't keep clipping all these. You're going to make all these predictions. We're just going to have to have a predictions episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to do a Ryan's wrong prediction episode. Uh, <laughs> at, the be- at the beginning of this year, we'll do, we'll do that. We'll just have a whole episode where we're just like, oh, we're just going to make predictions for 2021, and then we'll just clip the whole episode. Yeah. Uh, but another one down. Uh, and, uh, you know, Ryan, I can't wait for people to hear the interview that we have on Friday. Talk about a fun interview. Just a very fun guest. was was very, very entertaining. Yeah, very energetic, very fun, and uh, not to be forgotten, we have a big weekend of football again. Obviously, the NFL's wrapping down to the wrapping down to the end there, and it's championship week. Man, I live for championship week. Championship week, it's the best in championship uh, week this year because of COVID. We have a playoff quarterfinal at four thirty with Notre <laughs> Dame Clemson, and at the same time, we have an NFL game kicking off. So, it's going to be one exciting weekend in football. But we'll touch on all that on Friday. Uh, we got a big, big, big football preview show on Friday with college, NFL. And, uh, yeah, we have another exciting guest. But, uh, Ryan, we'll see everyone on Friday. Yeah, we'll see everyone then.